Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and all of my baggage droppers around the world, welcome to another episode of the Drop Your Baggage Podcast, where we talk to people that are dope, that can bring you hope, and show you a technique that can help you cope. I am your host, the self-talk engineer, Charles Woolfork. And if you like this podcast, please consider hitting the like and subscribe button if you're on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're on a podcast platform, give a brother five stars and some feedback as well. Now, today, I have been so excited to talk to my guest today. This is Chaz Molesky. Now, Chaz is from Delaware, and he started working out at the tender age of 10 years old. And he noticed that the better that he felt, the better that he thought, and the better decisions he made. Therefore, when he got older, he became a personal trainer and started to work with people and their mindset. He thought there was something more to the mindset part. So he found out about life coaching, got certified as a coach, and has been coaching for eight years, a veteran in the game, not like these new coaches that came around. And he's been aligning people with what they actually want and giving them the little push for them to get going. And he has been doing this with his business, Rise Above Life Coaching. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you Chaz Molesky. What's up, Chaz? Man, I got to say, that is easily the best intro that I've <laughs> ever been a part of for anything. So thank you. Were you ever in radio? <laughs> nah, nah. I oh, got, man. You, I just, you, you found your calling then. So <laughs> I got a face awesome. for it. I got a face for radio, but we're going <laughs> to... <laughs> So I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> hey, I was just saying if, if it smells like a duck, it looks like <laughs> but bruh, hey, well, man, man, your story is awesome. I've been so excited for people to hear your story. So please just go for it. Wherever you want to start, whether it be from 10 years old for when you're in college, man, go for it, bro. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I equally have been looking forward to this. I know we had to reschedule. I was bummed. I was like, nah, we got to make this thing happen. Thanks for making so, me feel bad. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I get it, dude. Holidays are crazy, man. Mm -hmm. It actually worked out for me too. So this is good. That's what's but up. yeah, so uh, when I was 10 years old, I went to get a physical for football. I was, I was trying to play football, American football for whoever's listening. Um, and I was trying to play for my school. And you had to get a physical to be okay and get approved. So when I went, I was that kid who just like, I didn't know anything about health, right? And for me, it was like, oh, cool. Push pops and ice cream four times, five times a day. And that's my meal. Yeah. Like that's amazing. As a kid, you love that, right? So over time, that didn't do too well for me. So I'm at this physical and they're going through the whole pre- you know, uh, appointment stuff where they're checking your vitals, they're checking your height, your weight, all that type of stuff. My whole life growing up, I was in like the one percentile of height and weight, you know, so I was always tipping the scale a little bit. But this time, doctor comes in, kind of sits down, he's got this like alarmed look on his face. And he starts telling me that I have high blood pressure for a 10 year old. And that is very bad for a 10 year old, for those of you that are listening. And he made sure that I knew it was really bad for a 10 year old in the best way that doctors can. So it's one of those situations where they don't tell you that you're going to die, but they don't tell you that you're not going to die. So at 10 years old, you're thinking this is the worst possible thing that's ever happened to me and I need to figure something out. So he starts telling me that, and my mom's there too, and he starts telling both of us that I got to start doing something with my health. I got to eat better. I got to start moving a little bit, all that and everything. And it was good because I was going into playing a sport. So that was naturally going to do it. But I was terrified of the alternative. So for me, that was like my wake up call, my warning sign of, hey, you got to kind of take yourself seriously. Like there are things that can happen to you that you're not even aware of. Um, and now that you're aware of it, 
now you have a choice, right? You got to do something about it, or you can choose not to do something, but both are a choice. So for me that day, I actually, I went home and the only thing I knew about fitness or health was running because that's all I saw people doing that I thought, you know, I associated, okay, that person's running. They must be healthy. That's what healthy people do. Right? So it's the middle of the summer. I put a hoodie on because I also would watch, um, like the videos of bodybuilders and stuff and they'd wear hoodies and also I'm like, okay, well you got to sweat. And then when you sweat, you lose weight. And that's what I was thinking at 10 years old. So I put that thing on, ran around my block and I almost passed out uh, like eight minutes into the run. It was like 104 degrees outside. It was a terrible environment. I had never really run before. Like it was just, I did, did it wrong. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So over time, I just kept going. Uh, and as a result, like my dad saw that and that was kind of his implication of, all right, if you can keep this up, like I'll encourage this. So after a couple months of me being dedicated with working out, doing push-ups, sit-ups, that type of stuff, uh, he ends up getting me a weight set. And then I grow from there. And I, I tried to absorb everything I could in terms of lifting weights, exercising and bettering myself. And over time, one of the coolest things that happened for me, and I really truly look at it as a blessing is it taught me what I was capable of. And not just from a physical sense, right? There's so much discipline involved in changing your body or working out and exercising, which is something that not a lot of people talk about. They talk about the meal plans, the exercise plans, the gyms that you go to, the equipment you use, that type of stuff. All of that is irrelevant without the discipline. Because if you're not consistent in what you're doing, and this applies all over life, not just working out, if you're not consistent, you're not going to consistently see progress or results. And as a result of that, you're more likely to fall off. So it teaches you how to persevere through some really tough stuff. You know, when you're on a hard set and you don't want to do any more and you do more, you teach yourself to do that in other areas of life. So when you're in your business and there's a day where you don't feel like working, well, you have the discipline built in to just push through that, right? And I was starting to see that combining. So I loved it so much for what it did for me. I thought, you know what, when I grow up fully and I'm like 16, 17 at this point, and I'm in high school, I'm like, well, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to learn how to open a gym. I want to open a gym and help other people do what I did. So I'm going through school and finally get to my senior year. And I've been studying up on actually opening a gym and going through that process. My major was related to it. And when I was in my senior year, I woke up one morning. I actually still remember as a, it was, uh, I believe it was a leap year. It was either February 28th or 29th. I, I think it was 29th, but I remember the day I woke up, it was raining outside. I'm staring out my window and I had this like moment of beautiful, terrifying clarity. And I didn't want to open a gym anymore. I didn't want to do that. And I felt it like deep to my core as, okay, this isn't just a passing fleeting thought. This is true, deep realization of, okay, what do I do now? Uh, and I was terrified, man, complete full out spiral because I felt I did, like I just wasted four years. I just put myself into debt for no reason. Like there were so many things that were going through my mind. So I'm in a rough spot. And uh, one day my mom actually reaches out to me and she tells me that I need to talk to this guy that she met and he's a life coach. And I laughed on the phone with her and I told her, I'm like, mom, that's not, that's not a real job. It's not a real career. This guy's scamming you. It's a scam. Don't listen to him. He's just trying to butter you up and get your money. So she's like, no, 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 it's different. Just come. If you, if you show up and you hate it, okay, great. But I think you would be great at doing something like this. And I think you should meet him. So finally I said, okay, whatever. What could it hurt? So the day of, of going there, I really didn't want to go. And the, I had like no money. And my car at the time was this beat up Honda, Honda Accord 97, totally tricked out in the worst ways. And it wouldn't start. The way you had to get the car to start is you'd have to pop the hood and you'd have to tap the alternator with a butter knife. I had a butter knife in my car. You had to tap it three times. And if you hit it three times, it started. So I get my car, it doesn't start. I go, 
I do it, tap three times, try again, and it doesn't start. And I'm like, okay, you know what? That's it. That's fate. Like I'm going back inside. It's too early for me anyway. This is ridiculous. So I'm getting ready to go back in and I'm like, all right, I'm going to try it one more time. And then I can feel good about saying uh, my car, you know, wouldn't start. So of course I do it one more time and it starts. So I'm like, ah, okay. Cool. Now I got to go. So I go and I'm the youngest person there by easy 20 years, like easily. And I'm sitting there, I'm 22 and I'm sitting in this room with all these entrepreneurs and business owners and all this type of stuff. And I've done nothing, you know, and I'm in there. And finally the guy comes in and he said something to me that truly in that moment changed my life. I think that's so cliche when people say that, but it changed the course of my life because it redirected my thinking towards what was going on. So he comes in, he doesn't say a word to anybody else. All he says in that moment, he says, you're here right now because you choose to be. And I thought back when he said it, it wasn't this big, like massive sentence that he pulled out of nowhere. It's a very basic sentence, but I thought back to the car, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's right. I did. I chose to try again. I, cho I chose to actually get in and come here. I chose to wake up. And then he went on to say, and wherever you go in the future, it's because you choose that too. And for me, that was this like liberating moment of, okay, I wanted to do something for so long, but now, I can choose to do anything now. Like I'm not pinned down to this one possibility. I don't have to open a gym anymore to feel fulfillment. I can choose to do whatever I want and I can choose to become whatever I want. And from that moment, I was hooked. So I got into a conversation with him. I'm like, look, I don't care what I got to do. I will intern with you for free for as long as it takes, but I, I need to learn what you do. And I got to, and I got to figure that out because I saw the correlation between working with people. Cause I'd been a personal trainer since I was like 18. And um, I saw the correlation between the mental health side of fitness and the physical, because for me, one of the most frustrating things that would happen is I would work with somebody, they'd be doing great, they'd have a full hour with me, and then they'd have to go home back to their old environment, back to their old support systems that probably weren't helping them in the first place. Most mm -hmm. of them, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening is they would start to fall off track and I would get the blame. And that drove me crazy because it's like, no, you were doing great when you were with me. It's when you're away from me that it's not good. So my whole mo motivation for doing it was if I can help people in one hour, how can I help them for the remaining 23 of the day? How can I learn that type of skill? So that's what really drove me with life coaching was, okay, I'm going to incorporate this into working with fitness and working with people. So for a while, I, I mean, I got certified actually at 22 and for a while I was incorporating it into local gyms around me. So I would open up a, a life coaching program within the fitness program. So they would have not only workouts, but they would also work with me. We called them mental workouts. So it would be a one-on-one -on -one session. We'd have a closed door environment and it was super effective, man. It was one of the coolest times of my life. I think back on it and it's, it's wild because I got paid so little to do it. And yet I got the most fulfillment out of it, you know, because because it was pure. It wasn't yeah. about anything else. It wasn't tainted. And yeah. I saw the results in real time, man. It was, so, it was just so cool to watch somebody after a couple of weeks turn into this different person, mm. you know, who, who never stepped foot in a gym before. And now they were coming in when they had an appointment with me or not. You know, regardless, they were mm -hmm. still coming through. And I'm like, that's change. That's foundational change in, in somebody. And that's what drove me. And it, it consistently drove me to be better and to learn more. And how could I serve my clients better? And one of the biggest challenges within that was establishing myself, you know, being so young as a coach, it's really funny, the adversity that you have to come up against, because there's a lot of people that don't believe in you. They don't trust you. They don't think that you really know what you're talking about. Cause mm -hmm. you're, a, you know, when you say you're a 22 year old life coach, it's a, it's a quick smile, right? It's like you mm -hmm. told somebody you got a pet dinosaur at home. <laughs> so for me, it was okay. How do I overcome that obstacle, establish myself a little bit in this game? 
and create something that I can be proud of or, and that I can actually brag about when I see, you know, Oh, that's my client over there doing amazing and all. So mm -hmm. after a while, just naturally transitioned out of just fitness and are out of fitness. And I went to just coaching and I went full in on coaching because I was getting, I was burning out, right. I was doing way too much. So I went full out in coaching, started speaking, got on some really big name stages. It was really cool. Hosted some awesome events. Like we would do uh, rooftop fire walks in New York city. Uh, those were really, really cool. Uh, yeah. we did California too, massive events, you know, hundreds of people doing them and it's stuff like that really just fired me up, you know, and I wanted to unlock, okay, there's so much to the human soul, right? There's so much to the person that's beyond the skin, but so many people live in such a shelled environment, right? They, they limit themselves to the societal roles that they believe they have to be because of how they've been brought up because of their friend group because of their support groups anything like that and you do events like this where you challenge somebody to do something terrifying like walking on 1200 degree coals is not a fun experience for a new just somebody who's never done it before right it's terrifying oh yeah but when they're done man <laughs> You should see the liberation in these people. It's, mm -hmm. it's incredible. So that like that for me was my, God, it was like my caffeine. Mm -hmm. Every time I got it, man, I got fired up. I got energized. I got motivated. And I just wanted to seek out more of it. And now I'm on podcast with you, man. Yeah, that's what's up, bro. Wow. That's awesome, man. All right. All right. All right. So let's go back. How important was that support from your parents? So uh, when they saw you being motivated to work out, and then started to support that by uh, getting you to weight set and really encouraging you to go farther. Oh man, my my parents, I, there is not a bad thing I can say about my parents. They mm -hmm. are they they're the dream, and I'm so blessed. Like I'm not ignorant to the fact that I I am blessed by what they have done for me and, mm -hmm. and supported me my whole life. Mm -hmm. Without them, without that assistance, like without my mom you know, cooking food that supported my goals for me as, as a kid, you know, and like helping me through that process, making sure that I was doing it, making sure I was hydrated, doing all the stuff that's important there. My dad teaching me different things, teaching me how to work out safely and effectively and encouraging me to do more, being there for me if I needed him and, and helping me out with stuff. Like they showed such a deep interest in me mm -hmm. that it, it motivated me even more like knowing there was people in my corner. Now it was to me, I, I can't let these people down because they've, they've invested in me. They've put their motivation for helping me grow out into the world. And I got to take that and I got to give it back in some way. So for me, if I didn't have them, I can easily say I would, I would not be where I'm at now. I wouldn't have been where I was then. I don't even think I would have got started, man. So I, I attribute so much of my success to that. Yo, so when you looked out of your window that senior year and you saw that you didn't want to like open up a gym, did it weigh heavier because of the support of your parents and like, you know, that them being a part of your why? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a big one for me. But actually, the biggest one for me came my freshman year of college. So I got uh, I got recruited for football to go to school at the school that was a couple hours away from me. It was my first time like truly being away from friends, family, all of that on my own. And um, when I got there, I, I was I was a big time football player my whole life. And that's I thought that's what I wanted to do. And I'm like five, nine. So I had 
ridiculous dreams about the NFL. So as I started to realize, A, that's not going to happen, but also B, like college football, man, I, I give so much respect to college players across all sports because you go from high school, which is fun, to college, which is a job. It's a job. And it's, and it's a job on top of all of your schoolwork that you got to do and everything else like that. And I'm at a D3 school. So it's not like I'm getting paid to do all this. You know, it's like, I got to, I got to earn my keep. I got to do what I got to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was burning out so hard and I decided to quit. And mm -hmm. for me, that was easily the hardest decision I've ever made, which mm -hmm. is, is really funny to think about, but it was so hard for me because of what you said, letting people down and, and feeling like I, I had you all commit to me so much and help me so much to get to this point and reach this goal. And now I'm not going to pursue it anymore. You know, for me, that was, it was so hard to swallow that. I went down a really, really bad path, man. And what happened to me was I, I felt like I had lost my full identity. You know, yeah. it was a moment where I was this person and that's how people knew me, man. Mm -hmm. I was the, I was a football guy and now I'm not that anymore. And so for me, I'm like, I have no idea who I am. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was this one thing and now I'm not. And I have to figure this out because the state I'm in now is miserable. And uh. if I keep, if I keep up with, you know, the lifestyle I'm living, it ain't going to end well. So it was a, it was a big gut check for me, a big reality check. And then when the college thing happened in my senior year, I realized I didn't want to do what I didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. It didn't hit as hard as that first realization. Cause I, I had done it before, you know, yeah. I, had, I had experience in that position where I had lost a sense of self. So I, I knew I could rebound back from it, but it, it still wasn't easy to have that conversation with anybody, man, my friends, my parents, my family in general, just my, my teachers, right? Mm -hmm. Like, cause I had to let them know, like, uh, Hey, this is great, but I don't think it's really applying to me. You know? <laughs> Hell so yeah. It was rough. I mean, I, I definitely went through a period where I, I felt kind of lost, but it was a blessing to find the coach that mentored me because that probably happened three or four weeks after I decided I wanted to change mm -hmm. the course, you know? Wow. So it was a pretty quick turnaround. I got really lucky to be put back in that environment, but that was my biggest indicator of the environment that you're in will legitimately di dictate what happens in your life. So mm -hmm. if, if you put yourself, if you're down, you know, you're down and out, you will find other people that are down and out. And when you find them, you will feel home because they feel what you feel right mm -hmm. now. You can sympathize together and now life sucks for all of you at the same time. But that only leads down one way, right? Like that's got one ending. There's one road that you're on in that. Whereas mm -hmm. if you surround yourself with people that look at opportunities or they look to build you up or, you know, they're, they're achieving more in their life than you are. They give you something to aim for, not in the sense of comparing yourself to them, mm -hmm. more so in the respect of admiration, of realization that you can do other things. Yeah. And that the more the effort that you put into it, the more consistent you are with it, the more reveals itself to you, right? It's like when one door opens, what is it? When one door closes, two more open, mm -hmm. one of those those types of things. So mm -hmm. it's so true. And I mean, it, it opening myself up to any and all opportunities has given me such a unique experience so far in life. And mm -hmm. it's been one of probably my, my North stars, if you will, of decision-making is, am I going somewhere where I can grow? And mm -hmm. if I can grow, excellent. How can I be open to that growth? Right. So uh, for me, I always want to make sure that no matter what I'm doing, I'm not losing sight of who I am and yeah. what I want. I'm not, I'm not giving in to other people's wishes, desires, or energies. And, and I'm, I'm maintaining my integrity throughout whatever I'm doing. And it's taken me, you know, 30 years to get there, mm -hmm. but being in that position, it, 
it frees you in a way that you can't really describe. You would have to feel it. You would have to feel that sense of calm, confidence in uncertainty of being mm -hmm. able to just sit down, not knowing what to do and just say, yeah, I'll figure it out and be in and, and believing that. Yeah. Like that takes a long time, but it'll take infinitely longer if you don't do anything to build that. 100%. Yeah, it's all about action. Wow, there was so many, so many gems in that. Um, from uh, changing your identity is, is can be hard, you know, especially like changing your identity, uh, whether it be, you know, your transition from being a football player, your transition from being uh, someone that was preparing to be a personal, uh, personal trainer, like all of that is hard. And uh, like you, you have to like go through it no matter what, because you want to get to that place where you want to be better all the time and also there there's always there's always something better out there for you if you just look you know and also don't hang around people that aren't going to make you better don't hang around people that are going to put you in that downward spiral of um personal defeat instead of personal develop development i love it yo good stuff what disciplines do you apply from nutrition and wellness to business besides perseverance and consistency you already said those two anything else yeah man simplicity right mm. so it's it's kind of the the running joke in like the fitness community is that if you want to be fit you got to eat three things chicken broccoli and rice right like that's it because it's simple there's mm -hmm. three very easy things to remember they're good for you and you can make a lot of it and just follow that right the same thing applies for business especially in the coaching business people come in and they try swinging for the fences right off the bat and they overwhelm themselves with so many different variables and components to building their business and things they have to do. And then they'll buy a whole bunch of courses to try to figure out, okay, well, I got to learn email marketing and now I got to learn copywriting and now I got to learn uh, sales and now I got to learn this. And yes, all of those are important. But when you try to do all of that all at one time, it's like if I were to compare it to fitness, right? It's like walking up to a squat rack and trying to squat 315 pounds when you've never squatted before in your life. Mm. You're not going to be able to do it. It's going to crush you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're going to snap your spine in half. So the same thing is going to apply in business. When you do way too much, way too soon, mm -hmm. you're not going to see any progress because you're going to constantly think you're behind the ball. Mm. And that's one of the, one of the best things that helped me was to just take everything that I had, all the ideas that I wanted to do, the programs I wanted to run, the people I wanted to help, all of that, take that and break it down into the most simple, basic steps that I had to do to get there, because then it made it real, right? It made it manageable for me. I didn't look at it as this out of reach goal anymore. It's like, oh, all I have to do is start writing an email today. And that's it. That's my assignment for the day. Okay, cool. Because It's like compound, right? It's compounding interest. So mm -hmm. after, after time, it's just going to keep growing and growing and growing. And people don't like that because it's not sexy. It's not the quick result. It's not the thing that's uh, tomorrow you're going to wake up a millionaire. It's not that one day, yeah, you will wake up and you'll be a millionaire, but it's probably not going to be tomorrow. And you're going to learn a lot more in the process than you will getting the result. Mm -hmm. And I think that's lost on a lot of people. The same thing is what I found through fitness and nutrition and all of that. The process of doing it, learning yourself, learning your body, learning what it responds best to, having that knowledge supplies you for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Like I can go the rest of my life now and know what, what I can eat that makes me feel great and what I can eat that makes me feel terrible. Mm -hmm. But I had to learn that. I didn't just one day figure it out. Like I had to go through years of dieting and trying different things and, and, and just focusing on my nutrition to know that, but simple changes, not drastic, big things. Mm -hmm. So it's going to take some time. But what I've found, because I mentor a lot of coaches now too, 
And what a lot of them do is they bite off more that they can chew in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And that discourages them because mm -hmm. the road to achievement now looks three times as long. And what ends up happening is they, they spend so much time learning because they think with more knowledge, they're going to get more results. Mm -hmm. Reality, more knowledge just means that you have more knowledge. That's all it means. The application of that knowledge is what brings you the results. So the things that you're learning, if you're consistently learning over and over and over again, it's very good to have that information, but it's only good to have it if you're going to use that information. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just sitting in your head. It's useless information, right. right? Right. Same exact thing applies. And that for me, for business, I would say outside of the other two of consistency and all of that. Persistence, yeah. And persistence, just making it simple, breaking it down to a simple to follow recipe, success, anything like that. I mean, if you want to make vanilla cake, it's never coming out chocolate. <laughs> so you got to you got to use the right ingredients. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Real talk. It wasn't persistence, perseverance, but like both of those are, are like uh, apply exactly to everything that you said. I mean, it's, it's about the consistency, but also it's about doing the things that are simple. First, you know, I am a I was a defensive lineman, so my coach was always on the KISS. You know, keep it simple, yeah, stupid. Yeah. Just keep it. It can't get no more. I remember those days he would point to that board. It can't get no more simple than this. Right. It's a, you know, it's a stunt. It's a this and this and that. Just keep it simple. Um, and with that consistency and perseverance, I mean, success success will come. Absolutely beautiful. How did having a mentor expedite your journey to success? Man, let me tell you. This is what I like to explain to people nowadays. If you're going to go to college, go to learn who you are. So go there to get a deeper understanding of who you are on your own in mm -hmm. a more competitive environment, in, mm -hmm. a, in a more socially competitive environment as well, where you're going to encounter adversity. You're going to encounter people you don't like. You're going to encounter people you have disagreements with. You're going to have all of this life experience in there that will help you out in the real world. Don't go with the belief that the education that you're going to get is the only one that you need to succeed. Because look at the state of the world now. I mean, nobody can get a job, but everybody's got degrees. So that doesn't apply. What I learned from having a mentor and multiple, I mean, I've had multiple mentors up to this point. Every one of them has something invaluable for me to learn mm -hmm. that I would never trade for anything else. But having that first one was the best bridge from like college reality to adult reality because he broke down and explained life in a way that I had not experienced yet. Mm. And so for me, I learned things that I don't think I would have ever learned. Otherwise I learned things about business. Uh, I was being taught, you know, sales techniques and psycho the psychology of selling and, and how to work with different people and how to understand what an objection is and things like that at 22 from a guy who was trained in all of this other stuff. You know, uh, I learned NLP in multiple different facets, you know, guided meditations, but also breaking down limiting patterns, clearing all that stuff out, and then applying it also from a business perspective, right? It's like, well, how is somebody hearing you reading their body language, looking at their physiology, everything that's going on with somebody like I had all of these little tips and tricks that I was picking up. Mm -hmm. But I also had somebody that held me accountable. And that Above all else, if I had to pick one thing, find a mentor that will hold you accountable. You'll hate it a thousand percent. You will hate it. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I hated it. Mm. I hate it wrong. Hate it. But it's good. It, you have to be like, you have got to fail if you expect to do something. It's cliche. Everybody says it, but it's true. It's why everybody says it. it's uncomfortable. It's not fun, mm -hmm. but having somebody that can call you out on your bull and say, look, I know you're better than this. I know, I know this isn't who you are. Mm -hmm. And I also know that you're capable of X, Y, and Z because of this. And then saying, now go do it and 
they're, they're not going to tell you how to do it. Quick story, that same mentor, he believed in me so much in a way that I like, I didn't understand, mm -hmm. you know? So he believed in me so much. We were doing this event in, in Texas and he had me go pick these uh, attendees up from the airport. And it was my first time ever driving through Texas ever. And I'm in this big, like uh, markless van, you know, I looked like I was going to kidnap somebody. <laughs> so I'm driving this thing. I'm like 24 mm -hmm. in Texas, have no idea where I'm going. And that's back Oh, man, what were we? I think we were on the iPhone four back then. <laughs> what it was, but that was my GPS, right? And it's a small screen. It's confusing. I don't have a charger on me, and I got like eight percent battery left as I'm driving around this airport trying to pick these people up. And I can't. Mm. And I'm like, if this thing, if this dies, I have no idea how I'm going to get back. I have no idea where I'm going to find a charger around here. Like there was just so much going through my head. Mm -hmm. So I pull back to the house that we were at after picking them up, I pull back and I had 1% battery on my phone and it died as soon as I pulled into the driveway. Right. And I was so mad. <laughs> I was living. I was like, how, how could you let me go by myself in a place I've never been before with no direction or no understanding of what, how I'm going to get there, all that type of stuff. I was pissed. So I get out and I'm like, I'm, I'm getting ready to get into it with him. Right. Cause he's coming out to, to greet me. So he comes out and I'm telling him, I'm laying and I'm like, yeah, this happened. And I only had 8% blah, 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 blah. And he just smiled at the end. And he goes, isn't it amazing that you made it back? Mm. And like, it stopped me right there because yeah. I wanted to be like, no, it's not amazing. Like it's, it's not, <laughs> but his whole thing was, you can't know what you're capable of until you do it. Yeah. And if you consistently put fear in front of where you're trying to go, or yeah. you, you use that as your guiding motivator, you'll never do anything. Mm -hmm. And with him, that was, that was his way of mentoring me was go do it, mess it up, and then we'll figure it out. Yeah. until you do that we're not going to have the conversation because you need to learn you, you need to experience life you need to know what it's like to go through these things a if you're going to help people that have been through it mm -hmm. you got to know what it's like but b you got to see that you are way more capable than you give yourself credit for and if you ask for it help exists yeah whether you can see it or not there are there it will support you and what you need to do and like having someone in my corner like that that i could rely on as just somebody who believed in me, no matter what, no matter mm -hmm. the circumstance, no matter what I was doing, it was invaluable to my growth. Wow. Holy cow. Oh yeah. my gosh. What were some of the things that helped your clients make that foundational change when you were doing both personal uh, training and coaching at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. So the number one thing was not focusing on stuff that they don't need. Yeah. So most people, they, they, like we were talking about, they overload themselves with tons of stuff and majority of it, they absolutely do not need, but most people also use it as distraction at the core root of the reason you're doing something or not doing something. There is a fear. There is a belief. There is something that's causing you to not do it. Right. Yeah. And so you'll, you'll take on new projects or, or you'll start learning something new, or you will, you'll do everything you can to not address that one thing that's really getting to you, that's keeping you in the place that you're getting to. Mm -hmm. And you'll start to blame all of those other things. Well, it's not working. You know, this isn't working because of this or because of that or because of this. So my method was super simple was in our very first uh, coaching session that we would have, if I was working with them, we would identify what's been keeping them from doing what they need to be doing to get healthy or to go to the gym consistently or whatever that. And it didn't have anything to do with action. Wow. So anytime they went into action, I stopped them. So it's like, well, I haven't been working out. No, 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 that's not it. That's not what I want to talk about. I want, I want to know before the workout, why you didn't even come to the gym. Oh, well, I was you know tired from work and this and that, blah, blah, blah. Well, you're always going to be tired from work. Mm -hmm. All right. 
that people come to the gym all the time tired from work so really what's keeping you from coming to the gym more right so it was kind of just the seven level it was it was just it was levels deep of of where you're going and, and why you're making the decisions that you're making and the foundational change happened when they had the realization that they needed to step into the power they needed to be a little selfish for themselves yeah, yeah. so they could give back to everyone else i mean i worked with a ton of women and the number one thing man the number one thing with women that I found that I was working with, I'm not saying this is everybody, but the ones that I was working with, mm -hmm. it's not having the support to be able to do what they want to do or, or not having somebody believe in them enough mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. say that you can do this and empower them to do it. Right. And it's having them come to that realization with the fear of, well, if I, if I change, if I become this new person, right. If I, if I lose the weight, right. well, then, you know, uh, it'll be my spouse at home is going to get jealous. And when they get jealous, they, they make fun of my, my workout efforts and, you know, my, my diet at home and they don't eat what I eat. So they bring home all this bad food and it's discouraging and all that. So mm -hmm. they would fall in, they would slip into that. And really the, the solution that we would come to every time is teaching them to just step into their own confidence with it, mm -hmm. right? So it's no matter what, you cannot change, no matter what you do, you cannot change what somebody else does or what they say, how they act, anything. You right. cannot change it. You can influence it. Mm -hmm. by your actions, but whatever they do is what they do. And when you can accept that, you can shift the focus onto you because however they respond to your actions is on mm -hmm. them. It's not on you. Yeah, Unless yeah. you're directly impacting them in a negative way, that's on you. But mm -hmm. if you're trying to better yourself, what, what does that say about them? Mm. You know? So it was coming to realizations like that. And a lot of it was just clearing identity. You know, so many so many people had this deep rooted identity of being the fat person mm -hmm. or being you know the skinny person or being this this person that goes against what they're trying to do and the more they tried to align with that the less they succeeded the less yeah. progress they made because they would always try to find a way to get back to their identity mm -hmm. So it was really like the foundational change all happened within identity. It's who are you now and who do you want to be and what's getting in the way? And then we just built up from there. I think if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, she might have did a slip up somewhere. You said something about seven layers deep. Mm -hmm. What's up with that? So that's a, I changed it because I don't know if that's actually what it's called. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to misquote. Okay. But all right. I, there's, a, there's a technique. I think it's. I'm going to get it wrong. I think it's like Toyota or one of the companies that came up with it, but it's basically you ask why seven times. Yeah. Each, each why gets deeper and deeper. And deeper. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So essentially that's what I would do with my clients was like, mm -hmm. I want to lose weight. Why? Uh, because I want to feel better. Why? Because I feel terrible right now. Why? Yeah. Right? Like, like being a kid, you know, where a kid just asks why. Mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't give anything <laughs> up. They just keep asking why. And so you finally get to a point where they they just explode with this interior belief system that comes yeah. out and they start realizing, oh, wow, I've been I've been the problem. Like mm -hmm. I've been the one keeping me where I'm at. And uh, the sooner you can get to that realization, the mm -hmm. sooner you can start making progress. That's key right there. I wasn't going to let you skim over that. I'm like, appreciate you. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. <laughs> hey, and uh, last question I got for you. How did you start your process towards growth, man? Like you, you go out on your own, you say, you know what, personal training, I'm done with this. I'm going to do nothing but life coaching, speaking, hosting events. Like, how is that? Like, were, first of all, were you scared shitless? And then second of all, like how did the skills that you got from your initial training from, from personal training and coaching, like just carry over into everything else? Yeah. So I can probably confidently say that at some point, I think my blood turned to be 50% coffee. 
at one point to just <laughs> stay awake with sleep deprivation, trying to build it. I mean, I won't lie to you. Like I, I dumped so much focus and energy into the business because I, I've never been a plan B guy mm. and I, I have a very high risk tolerance. So for me, if I, if I have a plan B, I have a way out and I need a plan A and only a plan A. And mm. that's what I have. That's what I pursue. So for this, it was like, okay, it's either coaching or nothing. So mm -hmm. you need to figure it out. Uh, and that's, that's a very aggressive mindset. doesn't work for everybody, but it's just how I've always been. Oh, yeah. um, but for me, the most important thing that worked for me in terms of growth, and I hope if anybody's listening that has just started their business or is a coach or anything like that, the most important thing that you can do is get eyeballs. That is the most important thing you can do. Eyeballs and ear holes, man. Get in front of people, let them hear your message, mm -hmm. let them see you. Let them know what you do and be consistent with that. It doesn't matter if you have a website, a course, a thing out there, whatever that is. If you don't have people looking at you or your things, nobody's ever going to buy stuff from you. Yeah. So for me, it was always finding, okay, I'm a nobody right now. How do I get noticed? So I was reaching out to tons of publishers. I was reaching out to like article stuff. I was reaching out to podcasts. I was reaching out to anything that would feature me in some way where I could talk about what I do or explain who I am and who I help. And that was so painful of an experience. <laughs> 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 it was awful, man. It was like rejection after rejection after rejection. I mean, I can't, I, it got to a point where I didn't want to open my emails anymore. Cause it was just like, it was just starting to have a little PTSD. I'm like, yeah. I'm just going to say no again. And I remember the first person that agreed to it. I'm like, mm. Oh, I'm on it. You know, I had to write an article. I think I spent like 12 hours writing a 500 word article. It was nothing, yeah, yeah. but I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do it so well. Mm -hmm. And then um, it, what really settled for me or what really kind of clued in for me, one of my clients, uh, she was an administrator for a school system and they were having this big annual conference where a bunch of teachers came in from all these other schools and school districts and all that. And um, she kept telling me, she's like, you got to come and speak at this thing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's not, it's, it, that's not my audience first <laughs> off at all. So like, I don't, right. I don't think, I don't think it's going to go over well, uh -huh. uh, but B like, it, it's going to have nothing to do with education, mm -hmm. not a single thing. And that's what the conference was. It was all how to, you know, be a better educator with new techniques that were coming out and stuff like that. So anyway, she pitched me to her boss. Her boss loved it. It was like, you gotta, you gotta come do it. So I did a, a, a small little seminar for their immediate teaching staff. There was like mm -hmm. six people. You could tell nobody wanted to be there, but I still went in and blew the doors off, man. I had like, you know, 120% energy for three hours, just yeah. drilling them, you know, and you got these women like, eating bagels, drinking coffee, just wondering when it's going to be over, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going at them, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm having them do group things and all, cause they were having some disputes in, uh, behind the scenes. So I'm trying mm -hmm. to get teamwork going on. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was like, you know what, if I don't do it now, cause I always wanted to speak. So mm -hmm. I said, if, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. Like yeah. I, I got to just build this up. Yeah. So I did that. And then her boss agreed. She's like, you have to come speak at this event. So that event was my first ever like real quote unquote speaking event. Wow. And I was absolutely terrified. I was, I was in my car beforehand, just shaking. Like I was so nervous oh. because to me, this was, this was my moment, right? It's like, mm -hmm. if I bomb this, well then, you know, word's going to spread my career is over, you know, you're worst case scenario for a mm -hmm. second. Mm -hmm. So I went in and everything that could have went wrong, went wrong. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was, I, I didn't let it get to me too quick, but I had a whole presentation lined up, ready to go. And I had a Mac or a MacBook and I get there and they have nothing that supports Apple products. So I have none of my presentation. 
to show to anybody, right? Uh, and I, I have these people start piling in. Um, I had the biggest turnout of any of the speakers for the three-day weekend. I had the biggest turnout for what I was doing. I believe for two reasons. Number one, I was completely different than everybody else. So there's mm. a lesson to you in business. Do not be the same, okay? Yeah, you will yeah, not get yeah. a single person to look at you. Be yeah, different. Yeah. Um, I wasn't doing anything. The second thing was my session had everything to do with how to improve yourself as a person, not how to become a better teacher. Yeah, it it added to that, right? right. But it was more about the personal development side of things. I, right. I forget what I titled it. It was something like the three things you need to know to get everything you want in life, something like that. Yeah. And um, so I have this room. It's everybody's everybody that could get a seat, got a seat. And then there was people standing in the back and then there was people in from the door. So I had a mat, like for me, it was a massive crowd. I think mm -hmm. it was maybe 75 people, mm -hmm. but for me, it was huge. It was the biggest thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. And I, I get started without it being projected. They finally figure it out like 15 minutes into my presentation, but I'm going anyway. I'm trying to go off of memory. I'm trying to learn. I'm cracking jokes about it. Um, and it's working for me. You know, I'm like, I'm doing well. And I get my slides up. I knock it out of the park. I do great. And I was having a great time. Like I finally found my rhythm. Yeah. And I was going with it, you know, and I could tell this was so much better than the first time I did it because everyone was engaged, right? Mm -hmm. they, were, they were having a really good time. Mm -hmm. They were interacting with me, all of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I get done. And this woman pulls me aside and she's like, I need to speak with you outside. And it was, it didn't sound good. Right. Like it, it was, it was nerve. I was, I was nervous. <laughs> and she goes, I have to tell you this. I've been a psychologist for over 20 years. And I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's going to tear me apart. Right. right. I'm like, I'm waiting for, I'm expecting it because uh, none of what I talk about is textbook savvy. It's, no. it's all, you know, it's, it's what I've learned and it's what I've done and whatever. Mm -hmm. And she goes, I've been a psychologist for 20 years. My husband's a psychologist. We talk psych all day long. And she said, you have a better understanding of human psychology than every, anyone I've ever met. Oh, wow. And that was the moment where I was like, I'm off. Hell like that's, yeah. that's, that's my thing. That's, that's yeah. my jam right there. I, I just got an endorsement from somebody who's been in this field so much longer than me. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. Hell I mean, yeah. Right. So that was like, that was rocket fuel for me, man. And then, and then there was this off the races from there. You started like, oh, yeah. so that was where you're speaking. And then from speaking, you were like, okay, I'm just going to speak more and more. And then the hosting. Yeah. 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 So at that point I, I spoke there and then I got a couple other gigs, um, but I was taking one-on-one -on -one clients mostly. Then I was mm -hmm. going into small groups and I was helping those out. And then I started getting on bigger stages, you know, yeah. like, and then virtual stages yeah. right? talking for big names and stuff like that. And the coolest thing was, is it doesn't matter how big the audience is, right? As mm -hmm. long as, as long as you you're in, in the moment doing what you're doing, mm -hmm. if you speak to a hundred thousand people, you can speak to five people. If you love what you're doing, the experience for you is the same. Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So for me, I, like, I didn't care how many people were in front of me. I still don't. It's, it could be just me and you, man. And I'm bringing the same energy I'm bringing on a, on a stage of a hundred thousand easy. <sighs> Love it. Hell yeah, man. Yo, you got, you dropped so many gems, bro. That's beautiful, dog. Congratulations on all your success, man. Thanks, man. Oh my gosh. Which makes it that much more fortunate for me to serve. Cause here on the Drop Your Baggage podcast, we talk to people that are dope, that can bring you hope and show you a technique that can help you cope. Now, the technique is the mental and emotional release process. It's a neuro-linguistic programming technique that you're quite uh, like, you, you know, a lot about, uh, you know, apparently. Now I'm going to talk to the uh, audience real quick. Now for all you all out there, Please, uh, if you want to try this technique, go ahead and reach out to a practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming or 
Better yet, just reach out to me. Go to charleswolfwork.com. There's a form on the front and I would love to be a blessing. Now, Chaz, I am not a social worker. I am not a therapist. I am not a psychologist or uh, any of those other things that have letters behind their name. I am simply someone that can help you with uh, your mindset and uh, an alternative to those beautiful things. Today, we are going, I mean, you've already did so much work on yourself, yet today we are going to uh, be releasing the fear of the unknown. What has been bugging you specifically with the fear of the unknown? Yeah, so it's it's funny as you talk about it. I'm thinking back to what we were saying, and I'm like, man, I just told everybody that I'm cool with a high level of risk, you know, <laughs> and uncertainty. And here we are talking about the unknown. Okay, so for me, it's the constant battle that I've had through my whole life, even after getting coaching, like a message that I'm sure you can resonate with and for everybody at home too. If you are a coach, don't get into the mindset that you have learned everything you need to learn to be okay in your own skin, being good for you. If you can't grow anymore, you're not doing enough. And I have always, I don't want to say always, but I've struggled in the past with feeling confident enough to step into a new direction. Even, even though I know like I'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. I still get this initial hesitation of like, but can you really? And for me, the fear of the unknown tends to be when other people are involved. So if it's just me, man, I, I'll take unlimited risk 1000%. But if I'm thinking of my wife or if I'm thinking of my family or something and that unknown encapsulates them as well, then I, I go right to my head. Mm, right. So you, you just, there's some tells there that um, can tell me with the mindset, the, the question the internal conversations are what matter the most. The question, but can you really, doesn't allude to necessarily the fear of the unknown. Now, the other things that you said were like, I'm not good enough was one of them. So the fear of the unknown doesn't allude to anything with that fear with you being by yourself, you're cool, but with your family and everything riding on that, that it's going to be okay. I think more, it's going to be more of a, I'm not good enough or fear of failure, which one of them do you think would be mm. fear of failure or I'm not good enough? I'm going with not good enough because that's that's our deepest fear, right? Yeah, yeah, that's like uh, Tony Robbins says, that's the, the two deepest fears is I'm not good enough and I'm not going to be loved. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I got you, you got I got, got you, bro. It. I got, got you. Yeah. You, must, you must do this for a living or something. <laughs> I, I have, I've been around the block a, a, a couple <laughs> times. Awesome. All right. So with this process, you only got to do three things. Number one, you got to use your imagination. Number two, you got to follow directions just like you uh, follow a, a Google Maps or a good recipe. And number three, you got to trust the process. Know that I'm your guide and I'll be leading you through this easily and effortlessly. And I come from a place of love and high vibrations. Of course, uh, I'll be leading you through the process. And one major thing that will help you have major breakthroughs very quickly is being compassionate and empathetic towards others and making sure that you see from other people's perspectives and then talking to them from that. And I'll guide you through that. Every single event that we cover is a major breakthrough and a trigger that you're going to be releasing today. So therefore, I want you to go over as many memories as possible, as many events as possible, so you can have as many breakthroughs and release as many triggers as possible. Let's do it, man. Let's get it. All right. Let's start the process. Is it all right with your unconscious mind for you to release this limiting belief that I'm not good at enough today and for you to be aware of it consciously. Yes. Awesome. So when you think of the limiting belief that I'm not good enough, let's go ahead and cut the mind body connection. And uh, tell me when you think of that, like doing something and like somebody else's wellness is riding on it or your family's uh, well-being is writing on it or something with your family is writing on it. How, where do you feel it in your body? Mm, stomach. Stomach. On a scale of one to 10, like how intense is it? Six. Six. Gotcha. All right. 
Now, what is the root cause of this problem? The first event, which when disconnected, that will cause this problem to disappear. If you were to know, when was the first time that you felt as though I'm not good enough? When you were a little kid, let's keep it between the ages of birth and seven. Birth and seven. Mm, go internal for this one. Go for it. I would say trying to fit in in preschool, actually. Mm -hmm. when I was about four. I can mm -hmm. remember that. And I would say in there it was, I was always trying to be the cool kid. And then that was the case through school too. Um, but I remember then I felt like that was the, that was the only way I got the attention of my peers, even though I thought they were all cooler than me, you know, and I, mm -hmm. and I thought they were, they were better than me. Mm -hmm. um, I think for me, it was, I had to be something else or I had to be something more to be good enough. And I think from there, as I'm, as I'm going through it, it just fed and, and it got, and then increased over time. Got you. All right. That's a great place to start. Sounds like the root cause right there. Let's go ahead and begin the process. You can go ahead and close your eyes and relax and let me know when you're ready for the process to drop your baggage. Do it. All right. Now uh, let's go ahead and start using that imagination and following directions right away. Just imagine floating outside of your body as if though you are energy or spirit. And just imagine seeing yourself right here, right now from a third person point of view. So your green shirt, the window behind you, the screen in front of you, your black chair, your bald head. Let me know when you can see yourself. Got it. Awesome. Now let's go ahead and create a timeline with your timeline. Your past can be to your left, to your right or behind you. Where's your past? My left. Where's your future? Front. Perfect. So just imagine floating up above your timeline and float to the left into the past and float deeper and deeper and deeper into the past above that first event in which you felt as though you weren't good enough when you were a little kid and just hover above the event, seeing yourself from a third person point of view, like a fly on the wall. Let me know when you're there. there. All right. No, just stay right there. Seeing yourself like a fly on the wall. Now, just ask your unconscious mind what it needs to learn from the event. The learning of which will allow you to let go of the emotions easily and effortlessly. Your unconscious mind can preserve the learning so that if you need them in the future, they'll be there. Just tell your unconscious mind to preserve the learning. This is an exercise of forgiveness and acceptance. Forgiveness for yourself and others and acceptance of yourself and others. Who do you have to forgive? What do you have to accept? Who do you have to accept? Now, make sure that you see from everyone's perspective and have empathy and compassion for them and to communicate with them as you focus your attention upon how hurt people hurt people. We're all doing the best that we can with the resources and consciousness that we have. We can't control anyone else's actions, but we can control our response. We can grow stronger and wiser and learn from other people's actions and mistakes. Other people's actions have nothing to do with you. It's only a reflection of their baggage and whatever they're going through at the time. We're better people than we were when those events occurred. You're a better person than you were when those events occur. And also, you're a survivor. What is something positive and empowering you can tell yourself as that little kid and everyone else involved in the event with the consciousness that you have today that would allow the emotions to evaporate like water on the concrete on a hot summer day? And as you preserve these learnings, the emotions are starting to dissipate more and more until they're all gone. Just let me know when they're all gone. Take your time. It's all pre-recorded. We're good. Awesome. Now keep your eyes closed. And as you observe the event, tell me, what did you learn from the event? They would have picked me anyway, man. Hmm. Doesn't have to be any specific one person, one thing. That's right. What can you take with you into the future to make you a better person? They're going to pick me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> means in in those times of, of not feeling good enough, you know, with family, with friends, anything like that, like they, they don't they don't pick me because of the things I do. They don't pick me because of the results I get or anything that's business related or otherwise they 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 pick me because I'm me. And the more me that I can be, the more they'll pick me. And that's going to benefit all of us. That's right. Now, with your eyes closed, just imagine floating up above your timeline and float to your left into the past. Float deeper and deeper and deeper into the past above the dinosaurs during the prehistoric age. Let me know when you're above the dinosaurs. There. That's right. Now, just imagine floating deeper and deeper 
and deeper into space to where space and the atmosphere connects. And imagine your timeline is the size of a fingernail. Let me know when you're there. there. Now, just imagine floating there in space, weightless, and ask yourself now, where are the emotions? Tell me, are they there or have they disappeared now? Go on. Awesome. Now, just imagine floating down inside the event, seeing through your own eyes as a little boy and check on the emotions. Tell me, are they there or have they disappeared now? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Float back above the dinosaurs and then float into space to where space in the atmosphere connects. Let me know when you're there. Yeah. All right. Listen closely. Flow very, very high above your timeline, above each and every event in which you felt that fear that I'm not good enough from birth until now in chronological order. Don't skip one event that has a charge on it. Preserve the learnings and let go of that limiting belief that I'm not good enough all the way back to now. Go, just like you did with that first event. Float above each and every event in which you felt as though I'm not good enough. And just like you did with that first event, preserve the learnings and let go of that limiting belief all the way back to now. And don't come back to now until that limiting belief is all gone. Awesome. Now, Chaz, float down into your body and open your eyes when you're ready. Welcome back. Man, I love this stuff. It's been a while since I had a guided meditation done on me, man. That was great. Love hey, timeline work. That was awesome. Yeah, the timeline work is awesome. It's the best. I love it. Perfect. So let's go ahead and let's test it out. So do you smell bacon? No. Of course. That breaks state. Uh, <laughs> can you remember a time in the past in which you used to feel that old emotion? And go back and notice if you could feel it. Or you may find that you cannot. Yeah. Awesome. I want you to imagine going out into the future, to an unspecified time in the future, in which if the same thing would have happened in the past, you would have felt as though I'm not good enough. Or, but can you really? And see if you can find that old emotion. Or you may find that you cannot. Okay? Oh, nah, man. Congratulations. You are officially a baggage dropper. My God. <laughs> Man. All right. So, what you do, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, so tell everyone what the uh, mindset shift was for you. Yeah. So well, what was really cool, you know, looking at it, looking at the events, uh, especially back in preschool, stuff like that, like getting to revisit the bliss of being a kid, mm. you know? without without any labels or anything on it you know and and it not being in the moment when you're there having all the the emotions or thinking of all the things or whatever it's it's just like you see how much of life is play mm-hmm. and 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 that you don't you don't have to force anything because you're just playing mm-hmm. you know, you're just you, you're you're playing the game of life and mm-hmm. you're enjoying the game of life and every single person is going to be whoever they are so why shouldn't you? Amen. Amen. So like with you playing this game of life, does it free you up more to take those risks and do those things that you know you've been called to do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the pressure before, what was that pressure before? And how has the internal conversation changed? I think before what I was feeling was I had to, I had to, <clears throat> I had to be something or I had to, I had to turn into something to get my result, right? Like I, yeah. it was, I need X to get Y to have Z. Yeah. Um, which is a losing recipe. You know, it, it's it's putting yourself in a confine like that is going to limit you at all times because it means you can't be something else, you know, and it's it's interesting doing that and, and talking it out now, you know, like as I'm processing and all, it's it's similar to how I felt in college and how I felt when I lost what I was doing, you know, and lost my identity and all of that. It's the same, it's the same thing, man. It's the same mm-hmm. thought pattern. It's the same, all of that. But going back into all of those things, like every moment of pure uncertainty or not feeling good enough was always a moment of growth for me. Like the amount of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the amount the amount of things that I had done or that 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 one moment of weakness inspired into the future and the people it's helped as a result. 
like stupid so yeah that as i'm talking it out that's it yo that one that one mindset of you know number one am i good enough to fit in back in preschool and then translating it over to damn am i good enough like after these huge shifts in life's life and then just having this this subconscious habit, you know, keep flow like going on to where this this uh, conversation in your mind just kept being had, and now it's you have an opportunity to make moves and live life without that conversation. How do you see yourself moving without that internal conversation, dude? I'm fired up. Like, <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna get off this call, and I'm gonna be. My wife's gonna come in. Like, are, are you alive? You okay? I'm gonna be working. I'm gonna be so in it. Like, I'm fired up, man. <laughs> I gotta make some, I gotta make some moves. <laughs> I'm inspired. Hey, so speaking of that, how do you think that limiting belief was holding you back in your business? Oh, easy, dude. Riding the bench on certain things, man. Hmm. Take, taking the easy way. I mean, I did. I've done so many things in my business that I try very hard to still be the student, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I think recently I've been using the excuse of, well, I've done that to keep me from continuing to do it. But really all it's it's doing is it's giving me an excuse to hide, you know, in certain areas. Wow. So. Yo, you went right to the core, yo. You know, because like it's, it's easy when you're the coach and you can see other people like, oh, you know, why are you doing this? And you get seven layers deep with yeah. the person, but to go seven layers deep with yourself and to find that limiting belief. Yo, congratulations. That's crazy, yo. Thank you, man. On a different note, how much money do you think that you may have left on the table because of the limiting belief? I don't want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to put me in a bad state, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, hey, but it's real, like, all of our limiting beliefs, yo. And it's not about the cash. It's about the amount of influence or the amount of impact that we could have made on somebody that we just didn't get in touch with because of what we were thinking, our mental state. Dude, that, yo, it's crazy. crazy. Especially in our business, you know, you and me, every dollar earned as a person helped. So yeah. it is, it really hits hard when you put it in that perspective, when it's not just money. It's also, well, on the other side of that money was a human who probably needed it. Sorry, I don't mean to get you in that state. My bad, bro. No, 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 no. You're, dude, you got no. It's, it, it motivates me. Right? Like that, yeah. that, that excites me in a way that's like, okay, stop playing small. Mm, real shit, real shit. Because you're, you're, you're nothing about like your energy or just who you are. You know what I mean? It, it just allows, like, calls for you to play small. It's always. I mean, everything about you has just been seemed like enormous where there have been shifts that you've made since when you were 10 years old and you decided, hey, I'm about to go balls to the wall working out. You know what I mean? To like, you know what? I'm going to go balls to the wall on life coaching. Everything that you've done is just play big. So might as well continue to do so. And without this uh, limiting belief, let's freaking go. Let's freaking that's awesome very very cool that's it dog like thank you for allowing me to be a blessing dude thank you for being that blessing man you came at a perfect time perfect opportunity kicked the year off right i needed it Ah, let's get it man you showed up for your divine appointment so brad to wrap this up please uh i mean you've already given us so many damn gems today please leave (laughs) us with one more word of wisdom all right one more word of wisdom i love this question and hate this question i've been asked this question so many times and then i want to give i want to give a different answer than i usually give. what would you tell yourself when you made that decision your senior year not to go into code what would yourself now tell you back then you know eight nine years ago what would you tell yourself back then fail faster mm-hmm. yep fail faster fail faster get more experience life is experience right like you can learn about life on your computer or your phone but you can experience life outside mm-hmm. so get out do stuff integrate with the world 
get a better understanding. Okay, here, word of wisdom. All right, this is it. Number one thing, seek to understand mm. in everything that you do, in everything that you are, in every person you speak to, seek to understand what it's about, the reality of it, the, the true nature of something. And when you can do that, you'll have a, a much better appreciation for everything, but you'll also be more confident in all around situations because if you understand what's going on, you can respond to what's going on. It's in the moments where you're afraid of something that you don't get the information you need. You don't understand what's happening. That's when you shut down. That's when you close off. Mm. Seek to understand your environment. Seek to understand why you are the way you are. That's the hardest stuff to do. I mean, look at this, look at NLP, right? Like it's, it's not easy going to those places because you got to revisit certain things. And I totally get it for mm -hmm. you listening like that don't want to experience that all over again if you don't understand yourself you'll never know yourself mm -hmm. wow that's a great one right there thank you so much bro thank you yeah. so much and uh thank you all out there for listening and for your attention and your support man i appreciate you guys so much and if you guys have been listening you know i love you all so much from the bottom of my heart if you like this i'm, I'm sure you how could you not like this please consider hitting the like and subscribe button if you're on youtube or facebook and if you're on a podcast platform give a brother five stars and some feedback as well uh, right here on the drop your baggage podcast where we talk to people that are dope that can bring you hope and show you a technique that can help you cope i'm your host the self-talk engineer charles wolfork and my special guest chaz molesky thank you so much bro and until next time you guys take care of yourself and take care of one another peace